But I really don't, uh, I don't keep track of numbers. I got free of that thing years ago. And there's nothing wrong with the question, okay? I'm not, I'm not judging the person for the question. Uh, very legitimate question regarding that. Uh, I, think, I think people are, are trying to, uh, they're wanting you to succeed at something, and that's great. But uh, the, the truth is that what this, as we, we read this first part of these, uh, uh, of these verses, it talks about the half shekel, one-fifth of an ounce of silver. Uh, ounce of silver is going for what? Uh, way under price these days. I guess that's a different subject, though. But somewhere around uh, $20, $25 an ounce. So this is four to five bucks. Uh, you know, really an insignificant amount of money, uh, what we would look at today. So it's not an extravagant amount, uh, one-fifth of an ounce of silver. So what is this talking about? Why is, why is Moshe being told to take a census of the people? Is it that Moshe needs to know how many people came out of Egypt? No. Is it the Almighty needs to, to know and keep track of how many people? No. I mean, he's, he's got the hairs on their, on their heads numbered. He doesn't really need to know the numbers. He can look down upon that pretty easily. Um, so the, the word lift, it, it's more of when you lift up the heads of the people, it is the, the word is rosh, which is the head. And it is the beginning of a process that the Hebrews are going to be going through, which is to take them out of the mentality of the slavery of Egypt and then teach them how to walk as free men and women. And this, this theme of lifting up your heads, I've taught on this extensively through the years, it is the word naso, which is very similar to the word nasa, of course. And so it is about the, the position of where a slave looks. A slave normally will look at the ground, look at the, the natural realm around them, uh, that's called slavery. You really don't have much of a future. Uh, it's, it's pretty much just, you know, get up and go through your day and try to get through it. But the, the word here is about a people who are be, to be looking toward a future. Uh, we see this word used so many places when we go over to the book of Luke, uh, Luke chapter 21 which is the, the sister uh, chapter of Matthew chapter 24, it says, lift up your heads. This is, uh, I think, in, in Isaiah, in, uh, in the book of Psalms. Lift up your heads, look under the mountains. If Isaiah, or excuse me, Psalm 11, very uh, favorite verse of mine. Uh, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, it doesn't say rebuild the foundations. It doesn't say look down to the foundations. No, it says lift up your heads. Look to the mountains. Look up for your redemption is drawing near. So I, I asked this in the, the process of this, uh, this question, are we looking, which realm are we looking to today? Are we looking to the political realm? Uh, continue, people continue to look to politicians and all this stuff and, and um, to, to bring redemption. It's, it's not happening, folks. In good old southern vernacular, that dog's never going to hunt. Uh, it is only through the Messiah that we are going to see redemption. So look up unto the Messiah. 
look up into the the mountains, uh, which is Jerusalem, which is the kingdom. Keep your focus in the right place. Uh, the the uh, the half shekel is to be brought as a um, is a ransom for their nephesh for their soul, and that uh, that word nef that word ransom is a word covering, which is first used in Genesis Bereshit chapter six verse fourteen, and it's the same word that Noah was told you are to cover, you are to make atonement. You are to cover it with pitch. So I, let, let me go over to uh, a verse here in Isaiah. Uh, you look at this one later on if you'd like. Isaiah chapter 10, or excuse me, chapter 61, verse 10. I am so joyful in Yudhevave. My soul rejoices in my Elohim, my God, for he has clothed me in salvation. The word there is Yeshua. Dress me with a robe of of triumph or Zedekah. So he has clothed me with Yeshua, dressed me with a robe of righteousness, like a bridegroom wearing a festive turban, like a bride adorned for with her jewels. And, and I got to add this one because we're in the period of time of climate change, uh, what we've all, most of us have referred to as spring through the years. Uh, for just as the earth brings forth its plants or a garden makes its plants spring up, so Yudhevave Elohim will also cause, will cause victory and glory to spring up before all nations. Uh, look out. For those of you that are in the area that I'm in, uh, we got an early spring this year. We've had the, the daffodils have been out for, for three weeks or so. Uh, the trees are budding all over the place. Spring is coming forth. Why? Because that's what spring does. It is in the very laws of creation that when the when you when the the time changes the season changes you know there's i haven't seen a tree yet that is has been like i'm not going to bud this year uh or you know one little daffodil over the side going i'm i'm just not joining of the crowd i'm not doing this no creation has no choice in this and the same the same principle applies that regarding the coming of the kingdom and the ransom for us of Messiah, it's, it's a done deal, folks. You can look out, the, out your window and you can see spring and know that just as certain as spring is, so is his kingdom. Uh, the, the half shekel, every person, it didn't matter who they were. Uh, it didn't matter what tribe they were from. Didn't matter what their job description was. Uh, they could they could be as uh, we're going to be reading about pretty soon. It could be Betzel, uh, Ohaliav. I have a hard time with that one. Uh, or someone who who chops the wood. Someone that that got that brings the water. Uh, it didn't matter what their job description was. They were all to bring the same amount. What's that saying to us? That it doesn't matter who you are. The, the blood atonement of the Messiah is equal for all of us. It, it's, you know, I don't get like a little extra because of my calling in life. 
you don't get a, a little less because of, of what you do in life. We, we all stand before him equal. And the same blood that was shed for, for me is the same blood that was shed for you. And it is, it is achievable for all of us. Okay, there's another little bit of a message here in this. that The, the half shekel. I, I don't know anyone today that can't find, uh, let's put it into our vernacular, uh, you know, we're looking at a, 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 a fifth of a shekel or a fifth of an ounce of silver. Let's put it into, let's call it five bucks. Now let's go up on the top of this. Uh, I don't know anyone personally that can't find five dollars. Do you? I mean, if you're if you're in that dire straits, please let me know. Um, you know, and find people to help. But we can all find. So the it's the uh, the message here is that the redemption that is offered to you in Messiah, it's 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 achievable for all of us. There's there's not. You don't have to have special words or, or special wording. It's all, it's all we come to him with the same need of the covering for our, our soul, for this, this, for this fallen man. We, we all need that, that robe of righteousness to cover us. And it's all achievable. It is achievable for all of us, no matter what our, stat, our stature or our status is in life. Now, we go... Out of the six uh, articles that are in the tabernacle, uh, the, the labor is one of my favorite six, okay? I mean, each one has its own specific thing. You are to make a, bron- a basin of bronze with a base of bronze for washing, and uh, the Aaron and his sons are to wash their hands and their feet there. And the every every piece in the tabernacle has its own special interesting thing okay the the menorah uh the the seven spirits uh, of elohim being revealed there uh the 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 uh the altar of incense we talked about last week well now the the bronze laver has and this is to me the most fascinating part of it is that regarding the altar uh, regarding the menorah, regarding uh, every piece, we're told the exact dimensions of this thing, okay? The uh, the altar of incense, we're told exactly what the dimensions are going to be, but with the laver, it has no dimensions. And why is that? Because the progression in the tabernacle is that we go to, we, we come in to the uh, through the gate to the outer court, which is about us receiving by faith the invitation for our redemption. We come to the altar of sacrifice, which is about the atonement for our soul, for our being. And then we go from there to the labor, which is speaking to us of the word. Uh, Psalm 24, we could go to that one about the washing of the water of the word. We go to Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, I mean, I go all over scripture really and find that uh, the, words, the word water, this, this uh, is, is a, uh, a synonym 
it is we we see as they went to Mount Sinai the rock the the water from the rock followed them through the 40 years in the wilderness so this is about the 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 water of the word now and notice that the water of the word is past the altar of sacrifice uh, it's a very very simple illustration to me that without messiah without a relationship we're never going to understand the word it is our being restored in right relationship with the almighty that allows us to then hear and understand and then apply or we could say apply save money shma we are to apply and then understand, uh, but it is the, the word opens up to us. I, I went for years of my life, you know, I carried a Bible around but never opened it because why? Well, one thing it was King James, and I, I, it's you know, I just kind of have a hard time understanding these and thous and dozens, but I don't think dozens is there, but I just added it because it really doesn't make any sense. A lot of it, uh, a lot of the scripture, uh, the King James. It, it was it was written in yes a poetic nature, but it wasn't written in a way that it was understandable to people. Uh, go to the Geneva Bible, which was out prior to the King James, was was called the uh, I believe it was like the everyday man's scripture. It was written in a in a language uh, translated into a language that was understandable. And, I, I mean, if I had to, cha- to choose today, I'd rather go to the Geneva Bible than the King James. Uh, just because it's easier to understand. I don't speak that way. You probably don't either, you know. Uh, so, another subject here. But it was not until that I, uh, I was, my relationship with the Almighty uh, allowed me to then understand. I remember the, the first thing that I wanted to do is pick up a scripture and open it and, and start reading it. And of course it was King James and I've moved on from then uh, and I understand it more in the, the translations that I use today. But even with it being in you know the, the King's English, uh, it was like a revelation came forth. Why? Because you're, you're nephish had been opened up because of the restoration, the covering that had been had been had restored you to right standing before him. So the labor though has no dimensions. Why? Because this book has no dimensions. I mean, as many times as I've taught on the tabernacle, and it's, you know, it's been a couple, uh, even in this year. Going through the Torah portions, this year I've seen things about the tabernacle that I'd never seen before. And I've been, I've been studying the tabernacle oh, since, uh, the, since the mid-90s, I guess it is. But yet there's things that were just shown to me this year. I, I mean, this is the way the scripture is. That you never come to the end of the revelation of the scripture. I, I, uh, okay, I'm, I'm not going to go there. Uh, so 
we turn the page to these two men, uh, Betzel and Oholiav. Betzel means the shadow of Yah. Oholiav means the father's tent. So let's see, Hebrews chapter 8 is speaking to us that Moshe, Moses, saw the an actual tabernacle, a, a dwelling place. Now, again, don't try to bring this down to our level. Leave it up in that level. Leave it up in that realm. Okay? The, the moment we try to bring this into our realm is when we begin to cheapen the revelation. Okay, so there is a, the, the tabernacle, it says in, in Hebrews chapter 8, was an earthly copy of a heavenly blueprint or a, something that is dwelling there. Um, I'm not going to try to make them equal. I, I'm, I'm not going to try to say, okay, well, you know, there is something up in the heavenly realm that has ram skins, you know, and, and has a, a gold menorah and has, and I don't understand what's there. It is beyond my comprehension of what is there. I know that this is like a, kind of like the scale model in a way. I can't even figure out a way to, to describe the differences that are here. But with that blueprint, it is called Moshe's Tabernacle, which is funny because Moshe really doesn't do any of the work, okay? Uh, he is the oversight, uh, the overseer. When I worked for a contractor uh, as a listing agent up in Alaska doing new construction, uh, every, every house had, had Larry's name on it, had his corporation name on it. I never saw him pick up a hammer. Uh, I, I never saw him do much more than work with our foreman regarding the blueprints. And our foreman, uh, Dick, was he was the best. I mean, this guy could build a house from, it was normally, it was, uh, uh, our, our floor plans were written on the back of a, of a brown paper bag. And he could take one and he could build it, but his name, his name was never on the sign out front. He was never at the bank for the closing. It was, Larry was there, and, and but he, he was the one that got credit. Uh, none, none of the, the framers, the guys that, uh, that did the, the, the footings, the foundations, the, the drywall, uh, the painter, they didn't get credit for anything. The same thing here. Be'ezel, Ahaliyav, they're, they're like the superintendent over the job. I think that they had their hands in it. They were, they were, uh, they, they literally were putting their hands to the, to this whole building. But then they had help from other people also. We read about this. So it's Moshe's tabernacle. He's given the blueprint. The blueprint is then given to Be'ezel, Ahaliyav. And then they do the work of the tabernacle, but they're given an anointing for it. They're given a specific anointing for the task that is before them. It says that they are, I have singled them out 
or I have called them by name. Hey, no one had to to wonder who's in charge here. Um, th- this is a this is is a problem with uh, with kind of some of the uh, messianic circles today it's like you walk in who's in charge well it, it, it this week it's this person this what no no somebody needs to be in charge of this somebody has to have the vision and somebody has to walk along beside that person that is carrying out the vision and then everyone gets involved in that this is the pattern of the scripture and this should be the pattern that we're walking out today now, the, the tabernacle is arguably one of the most uh, incredible building projects that's ever been on planet Earth. Now, I, I know that you know Solomon's temple had all the, the ornate glory and things to it. Um, there are uh, wonderful structures all over the world. Uh, that uh, you know, cathedrals and stadiums and all kinds of things. But what separates the tabernacle? is that this is a specific dwelling that is, again, to use the word specific, uh, that's specifically given in absolute detail from the heavenly realm into the earthly realm. Now, I can't say the same about Solomon's temple, because it appears that, and this is just my opinion, that Solomon took the pattern, but then kind of added a lot of things to it to make it a little bit more than what was originally designed, that what was originally called for. Uh, the same could be held true, I think, in the second temple. And we go to the to the Herod, to Herod's remodeling of the temple, and it, it really has a, a lot of a lot of man in there. So the tabernacle is this extremely complex, simple structure that is given that there's, there's things about the construction that we don't know today. Uh, how do you take a uh, you know, 60 plus pounds of gold and beat it into a single menorah in which oil flows through it and gold being a very soft metal, the arms of it, the, the, the branches, rather, of the menorah do not sag. How did that happen? I don't know. Far beyond us, there is a supernatural aspect that is here with these two men. One of them is a, he is, he is literally standing there and every time somebody calls him, <laughs> uh, Oholiab, what, what are they saying? Father's tent. What are they saying when they see when they see Bezel? Uh, you who are the you are who you who are the shadow of Yah, 
standing before us. So, even the people that are called to this are uh, prophetic in their, their names. And so, this is, this is like, okay guys, let's get going on this. We need to get this done. And so, what's the next thing that the Almighty says to them? Tell the people of Israel to observe Shabbat. Wait a minute, wait a minute. This is, this is the tabernacle. Shouldn't we be putting everything we have to it? Shouldn't we, we, we be like working 24-7? Uh, and, and the Almighty says no. That the Shabbat is of more importance than the completion of the tabernacle. Wow. That, that should kind of speak to us there. Um, Shabbat. Well, if we continue on into the next, the next chapter, and I'm going to, what do we see in chapter 18? Well, Moshe is up on the, up on the mountain. Uh, he has two tablets that, have been, that he's been given. Uh, he is meeting with the Almighty. He is uh, watching the finger of the Almighty that's that's writing out these uh, these words upon these tablets. This is the ketubah. This is the wedding contract. Now, this would be likened today to a marriage license. Uh, no, a marriage license is a governmental thing that uh, has some, some rather dubious uh, origins to it to begin with. But the contract, a ketubah, is a marriage contract. And we see that what is happening on Mount Sinai is a marriage to, between the Almighty. And, and let's don't take allegories to their extreme, okay? Because they do become ridiculous in the end. But our relationship between the relationship between us and our creator is to be as a marriage uh, Yeshua says in Matthew chapter 7 uh, there will be many who will come and say Adonai Adonai Lord Lord did we not do this in your name and this in your name and he will say depart from me I never knew you you who practice lawlessness well there's two words that I'll bring out Number one, the word know, I never knew you, is the same word that is used over in Matthew that Joseph did not know Mary. So this is a place of intimacy, uh, as in a relationship, by the way, which brings forth uh, children for the kingdom. Okay, we can take it a little bit farther than that. But the word in Matthew chapter 7 is, you who practice Torahlessness. Okay, when the word was spoken by Yeshua uh, in Matthew chapter 7, the only word that would have been, that, would have, he, that a Hebrew Messiah would have used would have been Torah. So you who are not following my Torah, that that basically meant you have never really entered into the ketubah, the marriage contract. 
So Moshe's up there. The people get a little bit on the uh, uh, impatient side, and they decide, somebody comes up with the bright idea, hey, let's make our own God. And remember that this is, this is in the process of preparing for the tabernacle to, to be constructed uh, in the context of the verses of Shabbat, Make sure that you, as you're constructing this, make sure that you're following my laws of creation, my principles, going all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the seventh day. Okay, seven meant seven then, it means seven here. Well, what do they do? They come up with a golden calf. I guess the question should be, uh, does the guarding of Shabbat help us to keep the golden calves out of our lives? Or do the lack of golden calves keep us in Shabbat? Or could it be that if we have a golden calf that we're going to violate the Shabbat, which is going to put us in kind of a downhill spiral and and it caused all thing, kind of bad things to happen. I guess the answer to that all that all con, that, that, those confusing words I just said could be yes. Well, Moshe is told to get down off the mountain. At first, he thinks there's a party happening. Well, it's a party that's happening. Uh, it's not the right party. And so he comes down. Uh, he sees the calf. This is verse uh, nineteen. The calf and the uh, the dancing, and his own anger is blazed up. He throws down the tablets he had been holding and shattered them at the base of the ta- of the mountain. Uh, seizing the calf they made, he melted it in the fire, ground it up in powder, which he then scattered on the water. Then he made the people of Israel drink it. Okay, so why is it that he throws the ca- the tablets down? Well, there's a, a, a very good reason to this because the tablets represent the marriage contract. Now, if Moshe had have brought those, they had already said, we will do and we will obey. Now, they didn't know what they were called to do yet. Okay, so they did not know the instructions. They'd been given some of the mitzvot. They did not have the ten words that specifically line this out. So if Moshe had stood in the center of the camp with the golden calf, now remember as the wording says here, the golden calf is not, you know, this is the God, no, uh, it's they're looking at the calf and saying, that is Yudhevaveh. So what were they doing? They were making God into their own image. An image that was comfortable to them. A, an image that would be compliant to their wishes. Which is against what the scripture tells us. See, we are to become people that are, that are in his image, not the other way around. Now that goes against uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people's nature. 
that we are to be conformed into his image, the golden calf is having him conform into our image. Uh, Again, that dog's not going to hunt. He's not going to do that. He doesn't change. See, there's one thing in Scripture. We are called to be in his image. We are called to become in the likeness of our creator. Uh, there is, there is one thing that, uh, you know, he, he says, I do not change. So what a man trying to do? What's a man trying to do? Try to change him. Well, he says, I'm not going to, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm not changing. And in fact, you can change me in your own mind, but that change is only in your mind. It's not in his mind. The golden calf. They, they were recreating what they had seen in Egypt. There were the, the statues and the, the images of the gods in, uh, in Egypt. That's what all the plagues are about. And so they said, you know, this guy Moses is not coming down here. Uh, we're going to make something in our own image. Having that golden calf in the center of the camp, if Moshe had stood and read the covenant contract in their hearing, the judgment of those words, they would have all died. The reason that Moshe threw the covenant, con- the covenant tablets down and shattered them was so that they could not hear them until they had had a time, an opportunity to repent. For those that would say there's no grace, no mercy in the quote-unquote Old Testament, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the ultimate regarding grace and mercy unmerited favor with a golden calf in their midst bowing down dancing around it and calling that their god the unmerited favor of the day was i'm going to give you an opportunity to repent and then that which is our contract i'm going to restore unto you I mean, there's, I think there's some, uh, most of us could see some things there. Um, now he, he, he takes the golden calf. He grind, he puts it in the fire, he grinds it up. He mixes it with the water and then he makes him drink it. Now I told this story, uh, it's been probably a couple of years ago at uh, our congregation. Someone when it was there visiting, not, not trying to judge, but, uh, someone was there visiting. I told this this uh, this allegory, this this little bit of a uh, see. The the things in scripture are not just there for uh, because he needed to to place some words there. It is to to make us consider things. And so I told this story, and the person just they, they got so they didn't come back because they said, "How can you be talking about this?" Well, you know, allegories sometimes you know, the the parables. They, they stick with us, don't they? They're, they're, it's, it's a picture. And so this is a picture that's right here, is that when he ground that up, 
Uh, it's Many of you are familiar with colloidal silver. It's an antibacterial. Uh, it helps with many things in, in your body, uh, you know, strep, all, all kinds of things. There's also uh, colloidal gold, which is basically fine particles of gold that are in, they're suspended in water. And one of the benefits of that is mental clarity. So the picture that's being laid out here is that he's taking the false god of their own doing, of their own formation, that which they had comprised in their own minds, he's taking that, mixing it with the purity of the water, and making them drink it, which is kind of to say to them, guys, you need to think clearer. You need to think about your past way of life. You need to think about the idols of your past. You need to think through some things. You need to think clearly. And what can help you in thinking clearly is when you think with the mind of Messiah. And what is the mind of Messiah It is the written word, the revelation of who he is, the scripture, Genesis to maps, which, I mean, his his kingdom will be set up in Israel. And so we need to think clear. What is this restoration that we've been going through? I mean, I I could go to, I don't have time but I could go to the the whole thing of of Constantine and how Constantine was was really a breaking of the the tablets, the the changing of Shabbat, of all these things, of, of the changing of holidays. This was all a golden, this has been 1,700 years of a golden calf. And today, what's he doing? He's been grinding up. Uh, putting in the purifying fire the golden calves of, of Catholicism, of denominationalism, grinding it all up, and then saying, I, I want you to really see how this tastes. And in the process, I want you to start thinking based upon my word not based upon what people have been talking, have been telling you. Um, chapter 33, to go on, <laughs> kind of funny, actually, in, uh, in verse 1, uh, Adonai said to Moshe, leave you and the people you brought up. <laughs> this becomes this kind of a conversation between Moshe and, and the Almighty. When they, they start, no, they're your people. No, they're, you know, it's pretty bad when nobody wants you. Uh, the guy that led you out, he doesn't want to claim you. And the one responsible for you leaving Egypt doesn't want to claim you either. Uh, that's really when you've reached a point of bad. And Moshe, uh, he stands there and he says, no, uh, he starts to intercede for the people, which is, is this a test of, for Moshe? In a way, um, his love for the people even though they're unworthy of that love. As a shepherd, 
Uh, Moshe is kind of the epitome of an earthly shepherd. We see this in David also. Uh, having having been in ministry, this will be thirty years as a as a pastor, as a shepherd. Uh, there's sometimes you just don't. It's like go away. Uh, I, I I just I'm tired of looking at you. Uh, it's just, it just happens, folks. But yet the heart of a shepherd uh, causes you to to weep over the people. It causes you to it causes you to continue to pray over people even in their times because you understand that I, as a as a as a shepherd I'm also a sheep and um I know that there's times that the shepherd uh probably looks at me and says you know um I paid a pretty high price for you and uh this is this is really not what I was what I'm I'm asking of your life you need to be a bit smarter sheep than what you're doing okay moving on uh finally the almighty says okay well you know you take them but i'm staying here i'm not going with you in moshe's uh, this this infamous statement of moshe if your present does if your presence doesn't go with us don't make us go out from here basically he's saying this if you don't go with us we're not making it anyway so you might as well just go ahead and kill us right here. Um, this this leads us into the uh, that Moshe standing there and saying, "I beg you to show me your glory." We were talking about this last week at uh, Life Assembly because it lines up with a scripture over in John that I'm going to go to in just a moment. Um, Moshe is is asking. I want to see everything. I, I want to see more. He's had. I mean, he's been on the mountain, right? <clears throat> he's he's watched the finger. Uh, I guess the finger of God as he's drawn out. The, as he's written the letters, he's like, okay, I want to see more of you. I want to see everything there is. Uh, and and he's he's told, um, no man. He says, you cannot see because a man cannot look at me and remain alive. What is this meaning? I mean, hasn't, didn't people see him? Well, if we consider it this way, and I'm going to go to uh, the book of John. We're going to go to chapter 1 and verse, um, uh, verse, 19, verse 18. No one has ever seen Elohim, but the only and unique Son, who is identical with Elohim and is at the Father's side, he has known him. He has made him known. So, no man has ever seen, let's, let, let, could I insert a word for you? No man has ever seen the fullness of Elohim, of, of Yudhe Ladies and gentlemen, if we were ever to see all that he is, I think we would explode. I, I, I literally think that the, you know, you've, um, people that have been electrocuted, whether, your body is electric current, okay? It's, it, without electricity, your body does not function. This is why we need salt in our, in our diet, okay? Because it, it is a, a conductor, well, though our body is electricity, if you put too much electricity in it, it will burn it up and fry it. 
So though there is a revelation of our creator in us, the revelation of all that he is would be like grabbing a hold of the transformer on the power side, you know, before it stepped down. It would be like going to the electric plant and grabbing the the first wire that comes out. You wouldn't even be able to see the smoke. It would blow you up that fast. Now, for those of you that have heard uh, a couple months ago my message on Messiah, son of Joseph, I actually talked about this, uh, and, and you can email me. I'll be glad to get you a copy of that. Uh, of the the teachings of the Qumran community and how they lined up with this verse of John chapter one. So Moshe is 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 kind of bargaining, and he's finally he's, he's like, uh, I want to see more. And he says, Okay, let me let me show you all that I can show you, and you still be alive. That should be our cry today, folks. That we would see all that we can of him while still remaining alive, knowing that one day in our restored being, whatever that, that resurrected body, all of, whatever that looks like, there will be a day that we will be able to handle a greater revelation. But are we settling today for a lower revelation than what we could? That's a personal question that each of us have to answer. Finally, the the last, uh, he goes into the last of this chapter of the feast, the festivals, again of Shabbat, uh, verse 20, uh, the the mother's milk, uh, this is a respecting life. And um, he tells us, these are the festivals that I want. Everything else outside of that is a golden calf even if you put the word saint prior to it. Shabbat Shalom, Shavuot Tov, have a blessed, prosperous week. Bezrat Hashem, God willing. See you again next week. And until then, be strong.